around the world, the Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to the Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to the Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to welcome you to this edition of the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. We just trust and pray that today the grace of God will touch your heart, touch your life in a very personal and a very special way. Whenever you may be listening to this, this evening or in the morning or in the afternoon or simply riding down the road in your car through a podcast or whatever the case might be, it is our desire that the voice of evangelism will be a tremendous and exceeding blessing to you and to your home, your family, to your friends. You know, we're here for one purpose only, and that is to minister the Word of God. I know I fall into a talk show category uh, as far as what kind of product do we produce, but the truth is we are a ministry. These are programs for edification, for teaching, for strengthening the believer, and also trying to reach the lost in this very nefarious and wicked hour in which we are living in. A lot of people are trying to say we're at the end of time. Regrettably, that's just not the truth. That's neither the facts. I'll say this many times in the coming days and weeks and months. When you see the 10 kingdom, excuse me, 10 kings create this confederation of an end time kingdom, you know we're getting there. For scores of years nearly, everyone kept alluding to the European common market. That couldn't have been it because it surpassed the the number 10 and then 20 and 23 and Now we have Brexit. We have that system over there breaking up. It's splintering. So that's not it. But I've always believed, and I I know that sometimes Bible prophecy is hard to understand and hard to interpret by the way that God gave it to his men. Toes, heads, horns, crowns, these can be difficult. Someone wrote me a letter the other day and asked me to explain the seven heads of Revelation. We have that on DVD. Uh, Just lately we were teaching on the coming fall events. The coming fall events, the seven kings of Revelation, and the abomination of desolation with a booklet. All of that is on DVD and a booklet to explain to you all of these things. Uh, I I just don't have the time to individually answer letters and emails and write all of this out to explain it to people. So this is why we call it production. You produce a product, and we're we're not about selling and making money. You know that. We don't even ask for money. But we provide the material that I'm not hung up saying the same thing over and over and over again with redundancy. 
I will mention it many times in teaching uh, very uh, in a shallow manner, but I won't get into the depth and the breadth of it. When you want to connect all the dots, when you want to connect all the dots, then those teaching series bring out a plethora, a plethora of information. And that information is all about helping you to better understand the Word of God. Now, I know there's talk, the, the end of humanity, the extinction of mankind. I hear all of this talk. I hear all of this talk about the Antichrist about to be revealed. But you've got to understand, we have to have a kingdom in place. We have to have this final head, this final seventh satanic empire. Until we see that, everything that people are saying, teaching, preaching, whatever the case might be, is just pure conjecture. It is just not biblical. It's as though they have a death wish and they want this to happen. You would have been better served living under World War II when they were detonating nuclear bombs, if that's what you want. God is not a God of death. He's the God of life. And he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. Though those things are going to happen, there's going to be a third world war. This will be how the Antichrist comes to fruition. And this confederation will have already been put together. And then they're going to give their power, submit their kingdoms unto this purported man of peace, the Antichrist. And God knows for only he knows the, the, the number of years wherein men have tried to define and tried to identify the Antichrist. Nobody is going to know until the abomination of desolation. Nobody. I've preached it. We're, we're exegeting it right now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3, 6, and verse 8. Those three verses declare he will be revealed. It's like me having something in my pocket. You don't know what it is. You don't know what's in my pocket. You will not know what's in my pocket until I pull it out and reveal it to you. This is how the revelation of the Antichrist is going to be. I'll pull what's in my pocket out and say, here it is. Then I have revealed to you. So the apostle Paul tells us repeatedly three times that the man of sin must be revealed. Now, when I'm on this subject matter, the revelation is not for the world. The revelation is for you and I. You and I. You see, there were people in the, in the days of the birth of Jesus knew the Bible, told Herod, the child would be born in Bethlehem. They knew the scriptures. So, so the scriptures came to pass accordingly. So they knew the child scripturally would be born in Bethlehem. And so it was. And it'll be the same way today. I, I just, I'm saddened in my heart by the chicanery, the trickery, the duplicity in men who want to, you know, put a carrot out there and try to 
lure you in with bait. We do not bait people here at the voice of evangelism because the Bible is clear. No man knows the Antichrist. But when it's time, that revelation will be made manifest and you and I, the church, the body of Christ, will know it. Why why would God give a revelation to people that are unsaved? Now, he might perform a miracle, but, but miracles are not what God uses to save people. God uses Holy Ghost conviction. Miracles don't save people. Remember, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So the Antichrist is going to deceive people because they don't know who he is. They won't know who he is. It is a revelation. You must know the Word of God. And as far as the Ice Age and human extinction extinction and all of these things, that's just baloney. Genesis 8 and 22. Anytime you hear OAC, Bernie Sanders, you hear these people talking about climate change. Climate change. You see, they, they don't know the Bible, so they have no comprehension. They have no utter understanding of the truth. But Genesis 8, 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now, that word seed covers human biological seed. Cattle seed, sheep seed, corn seed, green bean seed. All of that will continue on as long as the earth remains. You're going to see this. I was watching a small documentary the other night. In 1974 and then in 2011, we had what is called super outbreaks of tornadoes. But think about to 1974. Over 50-some years ago, we had, a, we had a, a day, I want to say, don't hold me to this, I want to say there were 258 or 358 tornadoes in one day. They called it a super outbreak. Then it happened again in 2011. But the Bible is clear. While the earth remaineth, and if, like I said, Jesus came tomorrow, there's another thousand years as we presently know the earth. Now, if you really want to get out here into some serious, serious, deep, deep theology, I encourage you to get the CD, or excuse me, the DVDs on the Great White Throne Judgment and the lake of fire. Because I took the time to put together Revelation 20, 2 Peter chapter 3, and Genesis chapter 1, and show you what actually happened in the beginning. Remember Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's where we call it the gap theory. Because the next phrase says, and the earth was without form 
and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's not, that has nothing to do with God. That was the devil. Without form and void and darkness. What's on the earth now? Without form, structure, government, void, void of understanding, void of righteousness, void of Christianity, void of so many things. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And so as I teach in that series, the canopy, the atmosphere was rent in Satan's rebellion and the deluge of the whole universe took place. And so what does the next thing the Bible say? And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Why? The earth was flooded. I'm not talking about the Noadic flood. I'm talking pre-Adamic, before Adam. I'm not going to get into all of that today, but we have these teaching materials to help you. 2 Peter 3, Peter makes it clear, the world that then was, standing in the water and out of the water. What do you think that means, in the water, out of the water? That was the earth that was deluged. It was in the water. God removed the waters out of the water, separated it. it Genesis 1 is really a recreation. But that shows you the power, the detriment, the horrendous loss, the heinous loss when Satan rebelled, go back and read Jeremiah chapter 4. That is also a part of that. I did not include that part of the te- in the teaching. But when you read Jeremiah chapter 4, you get another little glimpse of a pre-Adamite world before God made the earth as it is. You can't renounce fossils and the bones and the archaeology you can't renounce those things. They are there. So we, we do have much evidence of a pre-Adamic earth, whether you want to believe that or not. But I'm not going to get into all of that today. It didn't even hardly mean to go there. But I want you to understand, everything that we believe, everything that we teach must be based upon the word of the Lord. And it's sad. I'm sad to report today. You, you, te- preachers are not preaching anything to the congregations. That's why the congregations are so stupid. That's why they're called sheep. I, I don't say that to be condescending or put any congregation down. I heard a preacher some time ago on TBN. He was talking about how stupid a bunch of vagabonds Israel was during the Exodus. No structure, no nothing. Sir, they already had elders. So you you don't understand. You think you do. But they're already the tribes. That was pre-Exodus. They had elders. They had had structure. And so when they got out, the, the, the structure was already there in how they operated. But people, I'm telling you today, they're they're worse than naive. They're ignorant to the truth of God's word. You got to know the word of the Lord to know the truth about the world and what's taking place. Before we get into the program today, I want to play a song that's got a whole lot of upbeat sound to it. It's by the Gaither Vocal Band entitled Hallelujah Band. The word hallelujah is the highest 
form of praise that there is, the word hallelujah. It is the same in every language. So when someone says hallelujah, they're magnifying God in a great, great way. Listen to the Gaither vocal band as they do hallelujah band. Somebody give me that tenor Somebody give me that baritone With a whole lot of soul we need Somebody give me that gospel truth And then let's all sing it in a hallelujah band Somebody give me that guitar Somebody give me those drums Somebody sing me that bass line Ooh, like a devil can die Hallelujah, hallelujah, sing 
Well, can you say hallelujah, that hallelujah band? Great, great, great song, great music. I love music. Psalms, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart as unto the Lord. Nothing like making great music and melody. We want to pick back up where we left off last Tuesday here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2. And we're emphasizing the word troubled, troubled. 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, or be troubled, not in trouble, but to be troubled. The things that are coming upon the earth, according to Luke's gospel, Jesus used the word commotions. They're going to be shrieks. There's going to be screams. There's going to be terrible cries, much clamor in the earth because what is taking place now? Having said that, let me also say in Revelation chapter 11, when the two witnesses are killed and they're lying dead in the street, the world is going to be having a party. Do you believe that? This is going to be one more party in the earth. Because when the two witnesses are killed, the Bible says their bodies are not suffered to be buried. They just lie dead in the street. For three and a half days. They just lie there. Corpses. Decedents. Dead bodies lying in the street. And because they're dead, the Bible says, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets that tormented them that dwelt on the earth, they're now dead. That's something else you must remember must occur during the end times are these two prophetic men, two prophets of God. Can anybody see them? Has anybody seen them? Has anybody identified them? Well, yeah, like a lot of people. I've even, I even knew a man out of respect. But to show you how stupid he was, he said he was one of the two witnesses. Yeah. I'm telling you, all the squirrels are coming out with all the nuts. And you're going to hear the most cynical silly things that you've ever seen or heard before in your life. If we do not pray, church, folks, if we do not pray and keep ourselves baptized in the Word of God and in the Holy Ghost, you're going you're gonna to be led astray. You're going to be led astray. You'll be led 
and to gross error. Now, what brings about this gross trouble and grief are the evil spirits that are going to explode exponentially and God's going to allow, God is going to tolerate this to be released in the earth in the time of the end. Just read the book of Revelation and you will witness and you will see, you will witness, you will see all of these things that are going to take place. And they're just, they're, they're going to get worse. There's still great civility in parts of the world. I look for it to get worse as we get toward the end, but that's natural because Jesus related it to labor pains, labor pains. Now, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. They're going to depart from the faith. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Listen to that statement. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly. It means to be greatly outspoken. Now, how is the Holy Ghost going to be outspoken here in the time of the end? Through God-called anointed messengers. They're going to wield the sword of the Lord. They're going to preach uncompromisingly. They're going to be fearless. They don't care. They're not afraid of men. They're not afraid of institutions, denominations, organizations. They don't care because they are com completely sold out to God. As I've shared my testimony, the Church of God twice brought ecclesiastical charges against me to destroy this ministry because of the revelation that God gave me. But when God told me, write the book, the book, the second coming, the a second look, God told me to write the book. Initially, I was fearful. I said, God, they'll take my license. They'll take my ordination. He said, go back and reread the minutes and the declaration of faith. See, God knows all things. And so to this day, I still believe according to the Declaration of Faith in the Church of God, pre-millennial second coming, meaning before the millennial reign of Christ can ever begin, Christ must first return to the earth. I still believe that. I just don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture anymore. So even according to their own documentation, I was in alignment with their document. We call it was called, still is called the Declaration of Faith, one of the greatest uh, declarations ever made by mortal man. I'm telling you, it's a, it's an awesome declaration. It is scriptural, but it was men who feared God. Today, most denominations, if not all, are nothing but political circuses and pony shows. I read a, 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 a vision the other night 
about a, a young man that saw denominations. They were being left behind in the end. They were being left behind because all they were concerned about is themselves and the, the survival of their institution, the survival of their denomination. They don't, they're, not, they're not really attached to God like they need to be. Now, there's good people in every denomination. I might catch a little flack for that. If they're not good people in every denomination, what does Revelation 18 verse 4 mean when he said, come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her plagues? Denominations are going to be judged horribly. Look at the Methodists and their sodomy. Now, I don't know. I need to find out because of COVID-19, they didn't have their general assembly this past May, and I don't know when it was rescheduled or they've even had it yet. I don't even believe the Church of God had their General Assembly this year. But there was a faction in the Methodist Church that was going to part ways because of homosexual pastors and homosexual marriage. See, they were coming out of her. See, there are goodly, godly people in every denomination. But what God says, he says, get out of that mess. Quit supporting that mess. Your ties pay for a homosexual pastor. Your giving supports homosexuality, same-sex marriage. And only God knows the other filth and immorality. I had a guy tell me, um, trying to think of the acronym of the denomination, but he walked into the purported general overseer's office, sitting there with a bottle of scotch and a cigar. I said, do what? He said, yeah, man, have a drink. That's what he told the pastor. Charismatic Episcopal Church, it just came to me, CEC. Charismatic Episcopal Church. Guy had a, a, a pint, a fifth, a quart of scotch and cigars on his desk. This is the, this is the general overseer of the general superintendent. <laughs> yeah, come on in, brother pastor. Let's sit here and have a drink of scotch, and let's smoke us a big old stogie. Are you kidding me? Or, or is this the stuff that's, well, I know it's going on, but it, it's, and, they, and, and stand up and think you can preach? Think you can preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost of God? You're out of your mind. You're backslid. You're twice plucked up. You are dead at the roots. You are nothing but a sniveling hireling seeking to live your way in the flesh, and you don't care anything about the Holy Ghost and souls that are at stake. And yet you say you are an overseer of God's church, God's body. Give me a break. I, 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 am, I am so sick of this stuff. I am so sick of these two-timing preachers who claim they're men of God. They, they are astute. They are, they, these guys don't pray. They don't fast. They don't bathe or baptize their minds in the word of the Most High God. They watch filth. They watch pornography. They curse. They swear. They go to nightclubs. They do every damnable thing that will take a man to hell and then have the audacity to go behind the pulpit and act like they're a man of God. How, how, that, that is so horrendous. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm not talking about committing a sin. I'm talking about a lifestyle. That's what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about a rotten, corrupt, vile, wicked lifestyle, and yet you still say, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, I'm an apostle. You ain't nothing unless you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. I reckon you could tell I spent some time in prayer this morning. You get in God's presence. Something happens in your life. Something divine, did you hear me? Something divine happens in your life when you get into the presence of God, when you get into the presence of the Holy Ghost. Something supernaturally, something divine in nature, whether you realize it or not, you as a blood-bought, born-again child of God, you are a partaker. You are a partaker of that divine nature. Now, drinking liquor, smoking cigars, and going to nightclubs and say I'm a preacher, that's not the divine nature of God. Let me share a scripture from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature of having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God's divine nature living in me has suffered me to escape all this filth and garbage and trash. Don't tell me you got the divine nature of God. That's, That's not divine. You remember lying, crying, Nancy Pelosi, the nervous Nancy? She said, everyone has a spark of divinity in them, but yet she murders babies. Spark of divinity. Well, you know, even though she's a two-faced hypocrite, that's true. If you're living right. Now, she don't have a divine nature living in her. She's an alcoholic. You think I'm lying? Google her, study her life, how she has for better lack of words, quarantined right there in the congressional halls because of her alcoholism. And yet she'll say to you and me, we all have a spark of divinity. That that spark is the life, the soul that is in man. But when you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, now you have a divine nature And now you've got this great and grave conflict between the divine nature of God and the corrupt nature of man. And they're always battling. And that's what Peter says. But the blood and the divine nature in us causes us to escape the pollutions, the corruption, and the lust of the world. And the only way to have that divine nature is have been plunged and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, the world, it offers you a lot. But what Christ offers is far more exceeding and truly not corrupt. Not corrupt at all. Here in the end, if you attach yourself 
to godly ministries. You know, we don't have the CD of the month club. We don't write a new book every time we have a, we don't even have share All this is hustling you. These are hustlers. New book, CD, CD of the month, book of the month, da-da-da, all this stuff. What you're going to see here in the time of the end, you're going to witness true Holy Ghost Spirit-filled preaching and teaching, and that spirit of teaching and preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost will become more and more powerful as America plunges deeper and deeper into sin, into rebellion, and into chaos. Voices like mine will become so clear, so pristine, so unmistakable. You won't mistake me for being somebody else. You won't say, well, that sounds like so-and-so. No, the Holy Ghost is going to make an awesome distinction here in the time of the end. Do you remember in the Exodus, before the Exodus, the plagues, the judgments of God on Egypt? We've seen this before, folks, before the Great Tribulation. We've seen it once in the Exodus. The Bible said that God sent out a murrain, a disease, an anomaly, an aberration, but he put a sever between the Israeli cattle and the Egyptian cattle. Now, the Egyptian cattle were smitten with the murrain, but the godly people, their cattle was not smitten with this sickness, this disease, this anomaly. And what you're going to see, it's just like a fork in a road. It's just like a fork in the road. And that fork that leads to hell, it is glorified, it's got all the glitz. It's got all the glitter. It's got all the glamour. It's a wide way. It is a broad way. And many there be which go in thereat because the other fork is straight. It is narrow. And few there be that find it. They're just not going to find it. Because to find something, you have to seek for it. Do you hear me? To find something, you must seek for it. When the way is broad, you don't have to find it. It's just so broad. There it is. It, it, it's like going down a, 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 a five-lane interstate highway and trying to walk a little path, a country path. We, When I lived with my grandparents, the little town was called Mount Morn. And when you would cross the street from where my grandparents lived, when you walked over on that side, there was a path, and it meandered all the way down till you got to what was known as Mount Morn Community Store, and the fire department across the street on the other side, the side we lived on, was the United States Post Office. But before they built that post office, the post office was inside of the community store. Now, that, that's how far back I go. That's country. That was a big deal when we got, they built a post office in Mount Morn. And the reason it was called Mount Morn, they sold slaves there. My grandmother's uh, granddad uh, uh, looked after slaves. She, she told me so many stories about her granddad and, and, and some of the things he had to do. 
That path, it was a good path. It wasn't but about 15 inches to two feet wide, and it just, it just curved and meandered all the way. Missing this tree, missing that tree, missing this ditch, missing that ditch, till you got down there to the store. It was a community store. That's the store I worked at where I made 50 cents an hour. We sold coal, kerosene, gasoline, nails, hardware, fresh beef. I remember the, the, the man in the back in the meat department when they would bring in quarters of cows and he'd hang them in the meat locker and then bring out a quarter cow and let down that butcher block and cut it up and make hamburger and cube steak and all of this stuff. Oh, that's old school. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I shoveled coal, put it in bags and sold it to people. I carried horse feed, cow feed. 12 years old, put a 100-pound sack of feed on my shoulders. Walk it to a man's truck. I remember an old man called Mr. Caldwell. Never forget Mr. Caldwell. He plowed in my granddad's garden. Disc it and plow it. And my grandpa take the tiller and till it and have the plant the garden. I remember the man distinctly because he would he would he would drive up to the the, the community store, Mount Moore Community Store, on his little 80 and four tractor. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about, some of you don't. And he'd say, Give me five gallons. And gas was I don't know, 21, 22, 23 cents, whatever. Basically a buck. I remember him so distinctly because he's he's the only man I ever saw as a kid that could take a wrapping paper and hold it in his hand and pull out his coveralls, Prince Albert tobacco in a, in a can, pour it in that wrapping paper, roll it up, lick it with one, one hand, and smoke it. He didn't use two hands. He was so good, he poured the tobacco in there and rolled it up, licked it where it sticked together, and he smoked it. Country people, way back. You see, I'm old school. Everybody hates old school today. Like, that's just, that's just old-fashioned. You're old-fashioned. You don't have to live like that. I'll tell you one thing about old-fashioned. You'll sense the power and the anointing and the presence of God under the auspices of holiness. I've told you this. I'll say it again. The purer anything is, is at its greatest strength. The more pure it is, it's at its greatest strength. You start watering it down, it loses strength. People water the gospel down. They water this down. They water that down. They want to make it a friendly Seeker church. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to preachers. Listen. Do they ever mention adultery? Do they ever mention fornication? Do they ever mention drunk? I'm talking about some of them that claim to be great Pentecostal churches. They're not going to say anything. Need your money, honey. Need your money. And see, I'm like Naboth. I'm not for sale. That's why we're not going to ask for money. Got a, I got a startling email a couple weeks ago, and I made the statement, this is the final program, and obviously in that segment, I paused for three, four, five seconds probably to aggregate my thoughts. And it scared this person to death because they thought I was 
concluding the ministry as far as radio and YouTube and all of that. But I was talking about concluding the last segment of this, this particular series. This particular program was the last of that series. And the gentleman said it, it, his heart jumped out of his body, scared him, scared him that I was, I was quitting. I can't quit. I don't have anywhere to go. I am trying to pray and seek God for decisions and making prudent, pragmatic decisions concerning the ministry. Which way do we turn? Which way do we go? You see, I don't, this is not a job. This is not a vocation. This is a calling. See, that's the difference in what I do and what a lot of other guys do. That's why I started off the program today. This is not a show. We are categorized that way with YouTube and Block Talk Radio and other podcasts. This is a ministry. This is a ministry. And when you tune into the voice of evangelism, you're going to hear the word of God. And in this end time hour, there's going to be a scarcity of the word of God. Amos 8, 11, behold, the day comes, saith the Lord God, that I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. The greatest famine that you will ever witness in the earth is a famine of the word of the Lord. There's plenty fluff and stuff. There's plenty cotton candy. There's plenty sugarcoating. There's plenty of junk that they call gospel. Hyper super grace. And I shared with you how I was reading the book of Jude again the other day. And, and Jude said they're going to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They're going to take God's grace and twist it and say you can live like hell and grace will still cover it. That's not true, or G would have never said that. This is what men are doing. God is not turning his grace into unbridled unrestraint concerning greed and lust and covetousness. No, those are sins. Those are sins. I was praying the other morning. Marxism, communism, socialism. Did you know all of those are sins? I said, did you know all of those are sins? You see, God is a capitalist. You don't believe me? Go back and reread Matthew 25. One man got three talents, one man got two talents, one man got one talent. Why didn't they all get the same thing? Why didn't they all get the same identical thing? Why Jesus is unfair. Jesus is unfair. Let me tell you why he gave them different amounts of money. That's what a talent, like a talent of gold. This is not singing talent, preaching talent, musician talent. This is not that kind of talent. This is money, money. Here's what he did. He gave to every man according to his several ability. So according to their skills, 
abilities, attributes, he gave them thus and thus and thus. And all three men got something different. That's capitalism. Anything outside of capitalism is an outright sin. Marxism, socialism, communism, it doesn't matter. We got isms in the body, schisms. Isms and schisms. Paul talks about a schism. In other words, it, it causes a fracture. It causes a division. Now, there are times there must be a fracture. There must be a separating. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, 6 and 14, Wherefore, come out from among them, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. you you got to separate yourself from this trash. You don't throw away the good with the bad. That's why the tares are going to be gathered, then they're going to be bundled, then they're going to be burned. God separates the wheat and the tares. God does this. He's not going to burn up the righteous with the wicked. We know that according to Genesis 19. Abraham said, surely the Lord will not destroy the righteous with the wicked. Genesis 19, 25, shall not the judge of all the earth do that which is right? Surely you won't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And that's why he started uh, negotiating 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. God's not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked. He's going to destroy the wicked and preserve the righteous. The wheat has gathered into the garner. But the chaff, oh, he says, it's going to be burned up with unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. The famine. The famine is the word of the Lord. And, 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 and today we, we have such a, a, an enormous, an enormous famine of God's word. We, we say it all the time here. We do our best to preach to you a balanced dietary program of God's word. I, I try to preach a, a, a balanced diet of all of the word of God, not just prophecy, 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 not thus and thus and thus. and I try to preach all of the Bible as best I can. I try to teach it as best I can. I try to enlighten. God gives me something. I want to share it with you. Some things he says don't share yet. Hold on. People aren't ready for it. My concern right now is all the hyperbole and all the talk about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. Listen, we're, we are in the throes. This, this machine is moving. You get in your car, and you drive from Charlotte, North Carolina to Atlanta. It's about 225 miles or so. But just when you get on I-85 in Charlotte, you just started. You're not to Atlanta. You're not there yet. Now, we're somewhere between Charlotte and Atlanta and the prophecies of God. I believe we're well past halfway. But we're not there yet. And people are misleading people trying to make you believe we're there. As I shared the email the other day, some weeks ago, about the gentleman who said the word of God is decreed, the word of God is declared, Donald Trump would be out of office. July of 2020. 
You see, that never happened. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Listen, prophecies are going to fail. Dreams are going to fail. All sorts of things are going to fail. He said, but my word shall not fail. My word shall not pass away. I've read many books, many prophetic books, many great, great men of God. The destruction of America as far back as George Washington, A.A. A. Allen, way back. This will come. Don't think it won't. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, it'll never happen. No, there's going to be judgment. But where does judgment first begin? Where does judgment first begin? It first begins at the house of the Most High God. That's where judgment first begins. So before I'm looking for the great judgment in the earth, I'm looking for the judgment of God to begin in the house of God, and I dare say it has already begun in some degree by what we've witnessed in Virginia at the Liberty University. God lets things be revealed. You remember the passage or the chapter in Ezekiel chapter 9? Where did God tell the angels to go and begin to execute judgment? He said, go to my house first. Begin at the altar. And the judgment of God started there, and it went out from there. Then they go out into the city. They go out into the country. No, nobody escapes the judgment of God. No man. Now, what suffers us to escape it is the blood of the Lamb. The blood takes away all sin, all sin. And there's a great, great, great penalty to be paid for the enormity of the abortions in America, the enormity of of abortions in America. God is not going to stand by idly and just let this happen. And I want to encourage you today, before I leave, pray and live a life of repentance. Don't, don't, don't play with sin. Don't toy with sin. When God sent those angels in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 2, they started and they stood beside the brazen altar. That would be considered the outer court. But that was God's temple. That was God's house. That's what God said. 1 Peter 4, 16, 17, For the time has come that judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall the end be to them who obey not the gospel? For if the righteous are scarcely or barely saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Where are they going to appear, the sinner and the ungodly? If the righteous are scarcely saved, barely get in, 
Where's the sinner and the ungodly? Now, what's the difference between a sinner and the ungodly? A sinner has never been unsaved. Uh, excuse me, a sinner has never been saved. An ungodly man has been saved, but he's returned to his vomit. Now he's become ungodly. He was once godly, now he's ungodly. See, Peter makes a delineation between the sinner and the ungodly. People say, well, you can't lose your salvation. You better wake up and quit believing all these lies that you've been told. If you're such a genius and you know uh, there is what they deem unconditional eternal security, you explain to me the difference between the sinner and the ungodly. You explain to me 2 Peter 2 where the dog vomits and returns and goes back and gets his vomit again. That's what we call backsliding. Remember I said, you can only be saved once, but you can backslide and be in the same condition you were before you were saved. You're back in sin. You're back in sin. You can wash your hands and go stick them in dirt again. If you want to sit down at the dinner table, go wash them again and clean them up. Just that simple. This is not rocket science. This is very, very, very elementary, if you'll only be honest with yourself. God bless you. Have a great evening. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. And the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to pick this back up here. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.